0: I just Pastor Rick, listen, every now and then a desperate season comes up. I mean you need a desperate miracle. Something needs to be done right away. I want to take you on a journey and show you three people. Three people facing three desperate seasons and how God miraculously provided for them. Now, I want to show you today miracles still work. God still comes in and does amazing things. So stay with me today right here on demand and watch God bless you. And if it blesses you, link it and send it to a friend. I promise you, this will be a blessing. Stay right there. Enjoy today's message. It'll help you if you feel desperate. Welcome back. Glad you're with me today. Now, I want to show you something that will take a lot of reading. I'm going to try to zip through it, but it's three stories. And in these three stories, we see something called desperation. In this story, we see three men who need a miracle, three men, three people who need a miracle. And these three people need miracles right away. This is a challenging moment. Now, some of us have been there. Some of you are there right now. There's something happening in your life, something going on in your life. And you're like, man, I don't know how in the world I'm gonna get through this. So I wanna show you something and I want you to read with me. And I think this is an important, important text. It's Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. We're gonna look at a desperate mother who's concerned about her daughter. We're gonna look at a father who's concerned about his son. And then we're gonna look at two blind men who are both concerned about their future. In each of these stories, you see one common link. They're desperate and they need a miracle. Now, it's one thing when you need something and you think you can get it. It's another thing when you need something that you've never been able to get. This is a powerful example of how life can just spin on you and you need something you can't get. And you don't know what to do. So you're forced to believe. You're forced to have this strong conviction, this determination that you're not going to let whatever this is get you. I'm going to read the story, and I want you to follow me along for a second. This is Matthew 15, the first story. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Stop right there. Now, all of this is scary, you know, know, using the terms like demon. Oh, boy, that's enough to make you run, right? Demon possession. That's what she says. So she's trying her best to describe what her daughter's going through. She's trying to put it in in words. She's trying to say, you know what? This is really difficult. This is really challenging. And she's trying her best to say that. I don't know what to do about this. This is overwhelming. My daughter is struggling with demon possession. Imagine that. So he describes sort of what's going on. I'm going to show it to you, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman came, So in verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. She answered, I am sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. All right, that's what he told her. So she's desperate. He says, I'm really not called to help you folks right now. I'm only helping people who are from Israel right now. I'm really not helping the Gentiles right now, right? Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Okay, notice how she's like, okay, I'm not gonna let this discourage me. I'm not gonna let this discourage me. I'm gonna let this, I'm I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna come back. So I want you to stay with me right now. So I want you to just, I'm not gonna put it on full screen anymore. I'm gonna just let you listen to what I'm gonna read, okay? Here's what I'm gonna read. This is verse 26. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to uh, their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus, listen to this answer. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now I want to show you a couple of things. Notice how she was not going to get caught up on language, words, and culture. She didn't allow herself to get stuck. She needed a miracle. She needed something to happen, but she wasn't going to allow herself to get lost. The cultural bias was there. Jesus was called first to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. And so his first mission was clear. And he politely, well, if you want to say it, said, I really I'm not supposed to be focusing on you right now. That kind of starts later on. Right. But but notice she's determined. What can't you step over? Some of you would have just turned around and walked away. But notice this woman said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Even the dogs can come to the table and get a crumb. Give me a crumb. I need something to happen in my life right now, and I'm not leaving until I get it. I am not leaving. I am not backing down. I am not surrendering. I am staying here, Gentile or not, Canaanite, that's right, me. I want my daughter helped, and I'm here to get it. And Jesus said something about it was powerful. You have great faith. You're not average. And let me tell you, the people who really get miraculous things to happen in their life, they have great confidence, great determination. Some of you are too wimpy, too whiny to get what you want. You're never going to get much because you spend all your life, well, you know, my life is hard. Oh boy, this happened to me. Oh my, okay. Okay. You're not the only persecuted person in the world. You're not the only person who's desperate in the world. I want to show you this kind of desperation Lays down pride, lays down a lot of excuses, and goes for it. Love this lady, love this lady. The story is the daughter gets well. That's one story. Mamas are determined. And sometimes the determination of, of your mother or a person in your life can, can make the difference between success and failure. Because somebody wouldn't quit. Look at the second story, Matthew 17, verse 14. That's Matthew 15, now in Matthew 17, verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man, this time, okay, approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, I have mercy mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Pause for a second. Think about this. This is a dude with a big problem. Excuse me for saying the word dude, but he's a dude. This big guy, he's got a big problem. You imagine inviting this guy to your, like your pool party or something. He's throwing himself in the fire. You know, you don't want to, don't invite him, don't invite him over for like a barbecue or something. Throw himself in the fire, you know, or throw himself in the water. It's like, oh, this is terrible. Last time he came over, man, you can imagine people say, don't invite them overboard because he, he'll mess up your whole party. I mean, this is a guy with a real challenge. And, but, but this is a father concerned about a son before we saw a mother concerned about a daughter now we've got a father concerned about a son what's impressive is he's staying with the boy though I like that I like the fact that he's not leaving him because he's got a disability and because he's struggling I like the fact that daddy goes in the water and gets him he goes in the fire and gets him boy there's a lot of symbolism in that and he finds that Jesus is coming to town and Jesus is the potential answer and he's desperate so what does he do he comes to him and says, look, I went to your disciples. You know, I wasn't going to bother you. I went to your disciples. I thought it'd be okay. You know, maybe they could help me. And when I go to them, they can't help me. And my son is in the same condition. Now, I want you to stay with me for a second. I want, you, I want to listen. To he says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. He says, you guys are unbelieving and perverse. How long will I be with you? That's what he basically says. How long am I going to be around? Tell us the disciples. Guys, listen, listen, how long can I be? How am I going to be here? Bring the boy to me, he says. Bring the boy to me. then he rebuked the demon. The boy gets better and it's over. Okay. You're kind of wondering here, aren't you? Some of you are saying, well, Pastor, you know, twice now in these stories, you heard demon, right? So you're trying to say the sickness is linked to demons? No. I'm saying they're describing it the best they can. I'm saying in their mind, this was the the best way they described it. If you remember uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about when Jesus came walking on the water. They said it's a ghost. They're they're describing what they, the best way they knew how this sickness. I I don't know that we need to get lost in the the term demon and think it's like really like a little imp or something that's jumping in and out of people. There are instances in scripture where that's true. But I don't know that, that this is that kind of story. But let's not get hung up on that. we get to heaven we'll ask the question. But here's what I want you to see today. This is a guy who's got a son who has what we would consider today epilepsy. What we would consider today, we wouldn't define it as a demon today. We, our medical knowledge would give this another label. But here's what I want you to see. Whatever was wrong with him, Jesus said part of the key to getting better was believing you could get better. the Disciples couldn't. He brings the boy to him and Jesus lays his hands and heals the boy When he, or speaks the word the boy's, the boy's made well. And then he, I'm sorry, he said he rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Here's this incredible moment. And I want to say for some of you who are really getting nervous now, you say, well, no, it says the demon temple. Why are you just trying to spain away a demon? I'm not trying to explain away anything. I'm simply saying, I don't think it's biblical to say that anytime somebody was sick that, that was because they um, had a demon and to imply that if somebody has epilepsy or sickness that someone has a demon. No, it's not true. I think they're describing it the best they could and the whole process of the deliverance is described the best they could. And what's interesting is in this description, you have this simple summary in verse 20, 20 that says, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you want to really understand this, he says, because you, you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, nothing will be impossible to you. So if we can just for a moment, not get hung up on the term demon, put it on the side for a second. The bottom line, he was sick, he got, he made well. That's the big, that's the big message, okay? The rest of the details we'll look up when we get to heaven. But the big point is, it, there, there's a linkage between better and faith. There's a linkage between miracle and faith. No miracle, no, if the first woman we studied was not determined enough to go back and lay down her pride. And I know I'm a Canaanite and she wouldn't have been, her daughter wouldn't have been made well. The same thing is true for this son. He would have been made better if the father didn't press in and knock on the door and and, and not be distracted and and not get sidetracked. There's something about not allowing a, a disappointing moment to throw out your faith and confidence. This boy gets better. That girl in the first story got better. But notice the linkage between faith and action. You do nothing, nothing happens you know, it's really interesting and we can, on another study, digress into this a little more. But whenever you talk about healing, whenever you talk about, you know, making people better, we have taken it as relievers and we've kind of packaged it and it's nice, neat nice summary. And somehow what we do is we take this story and we say, okay, this is exactly how healing works in every case. What you find as you look at the miracles in scripture, they're different. Some people didn't ask for a miracle and they got one. Some people asked for a miracle and got one. Some people, some people didn't get a miracle because they didn't, they didn't respond to God properly. There are stories in scripture where, where guys, guys rebelled against God and they, and they got sick and died. I mean, there are all kinds of stories. The bottom line though, I want you to see is how God miraculously can work. I don't want you to get lost in all the details because I think we do. And I think somehow we take texts like this and we start trying to become professional miracle people. That's not what this is about. This is about you seeing how God can interact in your life. This is about you looking at this story and saying, if I'm in a desperate place, this is how I manage it. I come to God in faith with confidence. I lay it before him and I trust him. And I'm seeing in this story, this incredible ability of God to come in and change everything. Here's Here's what I promise you will be true. If you do nothing, if you believe nothing, you can guarantee nothing's gonna happen. If you want to see anything happen, you have to at least start here. This is the starting place. Bigger question, Pastor Ray: Isn't God sovereign? Doesn't God just not heal some people? Yeah, absolutely. Let me say it again. No, everybody doesn't get healed. True. You can say what you want. Some of you with your crooked toe. Okay. You know, look at your feet. Now, why isn't that straight? Right. So you want to make everything perfect. This is not the land of perfection. That happens in heaven. But there are key moments when God sovereignly stepped in and healed people, but here's how it happened. Here's how it took place. So uh, rather than get lost in details like demons and all the other little, just see God's ability to step into a miraculous moment when you're desperate and provide for you. And I've got testimony after testimony in my life where he's done that. When I've been in a desperate season and I've seen God, I think the church is in one right now. Pastors are scrambling and struggling. This is a desperate season. And I believe in this season, this is the kind of faith we need to have. We may not be able to sort out all the details, but we need to come to God with confidence and lay it before him and say, I'm trusting you, God, with this. I'm trusting you with this season of my life. Here is a father who comes and says, I need you to help me with this problem. And God does. Jesus steps in, changes everything in this man's life can you imagine what it's like now to go back to the family go back to the community with the son who's in his right mind everything's fine no issues can you imagine what it's like this is a story that leads to an incredible moment but Jesus summarizes it all this way Let me read verse 20 to you again because you have no faith so little faith they asked him in verse 19 why could not we drive him out he said because you have you have so little faith I tell you the truth, if you have faith as, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. It, you can you can I can guarantee you if you don't believe some things are possible in your life, it will never happen. And Jesus said, because you have little faith, little, little faith. You don't really fully engage and trust God with your life. I watch this, you know. I watch people compromise and do things because they have a lot of faith in themselves and a little faith in God. God's ways work. Third example and I'm done for the day. Matthew 20, 29. I love this last story because this is, a, this is, these are, this is two guys that are desperate. They're blind. You had a woman, you had a man, and you got two blind guys. Look at verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples, Matthew 20, 29, were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Now think about that for a second. These guys hear Jesus coming by and they start crying and yelling and screaming and making noise and all. I mean, they're trying to get his attention. What's interesting is the crowd rebuked them. Now you almost want to go, Why? Why can't these guys have an opportunity to be heard? Well, because, you know, these are the sick blind dudes. Who wants to hear them, right? Watch what happened, verse verse 31. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped, called them, and he asked this incredible question. What What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? For you, not for anybody else. Forget the guys around you. Forget the crowd. What do you want me to do for you? This is not about them. They don't want you to say anything. They were trying to silence you. Let's not focus on them. Let's focus on you. What do you want me to do for you? Man, you ever had that thought? Some of you haven't had that thought in a while. You know, you got so many kids and so many things that you're responsible for. When that moment comes, when you can decide what you want to do for you, what restaurant do you want to go to? Confusing, isn't it? What do you want to buy? Because you have your money. You're not giving your money away to anybody else. You really get to keep your paycheck. It's confusing. I have money now. I can go buy what I want. I can go, where do you want to go on vacation? You don't have to, you don't have to discuss it with anybody. You can open up the computer and dial in. I want to go to Europe. And you can just choose what you want. That's what these guys are. Jesus does something that I love. He gives them their life. He gives them another opportunity to live life in another way. It's amazing. Because here's what he says. It's powerful. Verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them because they said, Lord, verse 33, we want our sight. That's what we want. Something we never had before. Doesn't say, well, maybe they could see. No, the text doesn't say. But what they wanted was sight. That's impossible. Well, it's really impossible if you never ask. That's for sure. So if they never said anything, it was truly impossible. But because they had the courage to ask, the Bible said Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately their sight came. Immediately they saw. What an amazing moment, right? But it all happened because they were desperate. It all happened because they said something. And by the way, all three people, that was the common link. They spoke up. They all said something. Are you saying anything? Are you just sitting there grieving in your little sorrow? Oh, God, of my life. And you, just, and you somehow feel that everybody around you should know and that everybody around you should be concerned. No, you need to learn to speak up and say what you want for your life. What do you want me to do for you? Boy, I like that a lot. What do you want me to do for you, Ricky Temple? Nobody else. Not your members, your church, your family, your kids, nobody, grandkids. It's just for you. Some of you haven't had a you moment in a long time. (laughs) And some people will never let you have one. But I love the way he said it. What do you want me to do for you? Just you. What can I do for you? I have you moments. I have a lot of them. And in my prayer time before the living God, I pray, not for my church, not for my wife, not for my kids, for me. Ricky Temple wants a fill in the blank. Ricky Temple wants to go fill in the blank. Ricky Temple wants to do this. Ricky Temple wants to go shop and buy that for me. Ricky Temple wants some time alone. I want to watch that movie. I want to sit in this chair and sleep that long for me. The three lessons from all three stories I want you to think about. Three lessons. Number one, sometimes a woman must stand alone without any support at all. In the first story, you saw that, standing alone. Sometimes a man must stand alone without any support. You got to fight for your son, Sometimes, sister, you gotta fight for your daughter. Sometimes, parents, you gotta fight for your child. I love the fact that these were people who stood alone. But then sometimes you need to partner. The blind guys show us that. Sometimes, in order for you to get to the next place, you need to find somebody that can partner with you and agree with you, they can help you. I think these guys found support in each other. I think these guys found strength in each other. Hey, man, that's Jesus coming. Yeah, he's coming. You know, I bet you can give us our sight. You kidding? Yeah. Let's, hey, when he gets close, we're going. yell. Yeah, OK, together. Jesus. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, these guys got together where two or three get together. Amazing things can happen. I try to always keep me a two around. I try to always keep me a two or three. I am. I'm big on that. I'm big on networking and connecting. I try to have two friends Friends that can help me with money. Friends that can help me with my marriage. Friends that can help me with my health. Friends that can help me with my my diet. I try to have somebody that can bond with me academically. I have an academic team and they bond with me academically to help me be smarter. There's something about that writing team to help me write. I want to be better, but I can't always be better alone. And neither can you. Sometimes you got to be alone. Sometimes the miracles come alone. But oftentimes they come when two or three are gathered together. So God's able to do both for you. And I want to pray for you today. Father, I pray that this series on miracles. All that we've talked about has helped them see the power of God's ability to step into a moment. Just like he did in Cana when he gave that turned that water into wine in John two, And how he turned that life around simply because Mary knew Jesus. She had the right person in the room. And because those men listened and they 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 took the water and he turned it into wine. What an amazing miracle. And way down the road here in this story where you see these two blind men. Between these two stories, I pray, God, that we have learned a lot when we've seen you do things that were miraculous. We open our hearts for the miraculous intervention of God in our life and may it help us in every area of our life. We open our hearts to the miracle power of God, the flow in our lives bless us and guide us. Help us partner with the right people. Help us stand alone when we need to, but help us trust you most of all, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I also pray for those who've been lost in their walk with you, and it would be a miracle for them to turn around. May this be that miracle moment when they pray the prayer, Lord, come into my life. Let this be the turning point in my family, my marriage, my future, and I speak that over their life in Jesus' name. I also want to pray, lastly, for those who may be physically ill. In this study, we've talked about a lot of people that you healed. I pray for healing today. I pray for people who are physically challenged. I pray you touch them. I pray for an amazing doctor's report. I ask you to give them faith and courage to plow through the the challenges they face with confidence. I pray that they would not be afraid, not be intimidated by death, not be intimidated by a bad report, not be intimidated because they're alone, not be intimidated because they don't see the way. I pray that they would trust you, put their life in your hand and trust you for the future. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. You know, I want to say this as I close, you know, some of you are really going through a challenging thing physically. And I remember there's a story I heard about a lady. She, she had cancer and she was really not doing well. And she was sitting there in the house and, uh, and there was, um, the habit she used to have going out to the mailbox every day to get the mail every day. And, um, this day she was sitting there just feeling sorry for herself and, and, and not feeling well. Because, you know, you you're under treatment, you're going through chemo or whatever. And she was going through all this. And, and it, it came to her, you're not going to die today, are you? And she said, and, no, I'm not. And it came to her mind, no, I'm not. So I said, won't well, you go to the mail? So she said, I'm going to get the mail today because I'm, I'm living today. Here's my point. You're not dying today. Go get the mail. Do what you can do today. Stop dwelling on what's wrong with you and what they said Believe God for miraculous intervention and believe you're going to live until you die. When you die, you'll be okay. But do not allow yourself to live another day feeling like you feel today. God's able to give you life. Get up, go to the mailbox, get the mail. Pick up yourself, try, trust your living God and watch him bless you. Hey, it's been a joy to be with you. I want to pray for, I pray God's blessing and healing in your life. For those of you that don't know Christ, you've been thinking about it talking about it. It's time to make that decision. You want to give your life to Jesus. I pray, Father, for those today that they would make this the moment. They say, Jesus, I need you in my life. God, I need a change. I pray for healing and blessing in their life. In Jesus' name. Well, I pray you were blessed by all three examples today. You saw a mother, you saw a father, and you saw two blind men. Everybody's struggling to find a way to a better place. And God stepped in like he'll step in for you. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who are in a desperate season. Healing, provisions, and blessing. Help them find somebody to partner with them like the blind men. Help them, Lord God, find somebody that will believe with them like that. Father, I pray, God, that you would give them strength today to stand alone and trust you in this season. And I declare miraculous blessings and gifts in their lives to help them through this season. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with me today on demand. I pray it helped you. If you know somebody that's in a challenging season, link it and send it to them and let this be a blessing to them. I'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. Have a great day. Bye-bye.